Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to the NFL Show, uh, Episode 5. I'm your host, Dan Frost, and tonight I'm joined by Alex. Alex, a little bit of a special episode for our listeners tonight. It's just me and you uh, tonight, but uh, but one of, the, one of the exciting things is we get to talk about uh, a team that's a little bit close to your heart. All right, well, let's jump into our first segment tonight, uh, the huddle. And for our new listeners, the huddle is where we you know take a deep dive into a particular team. And this week, we're going to focus on arguably one of the most uh, popular uh, franchises within the NFL. Uh, however, you know, things have been a little bit challenging for them uh, over the past couple of decades. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, the way sports goes sometimes is, you know, often the, the most historic uh, teams, you know, can, can go through periods of struggle. Uh, and Alex, this particular team, it's, it's a little bit close to your heart, the, uh, the Chicago Bears. You know, obviously, uh, they're such an important team within the NFL, but, yeah, it's definitely been a, a tricky history. Yeah, I mean, look... For anyone that knows me, you know that I'm a huge Bears fan, you know, spent some time in Chicago, you know, that's probably a place I call home. So for me, I I love the Bears, you know, I rock Bears colors, game day, head to toe. I've got shoes, shorts, jerseys, everything, right? Even my dog's got a jersey. So for me, the Bears hold a great place to my heart. Um, But yeah, it has been a battle for the Bears for the last couple of years. I mean, you look at kind of the Mike Dickey area or even you know, very, very early on in the Bears career where they had um, Potalis at the helm. Um, And, you know, they were just kind of a dynamic force back then, you know, and when Dick was in from 82, you know, they, they were just a phenomenon then too, you know, they won their first super, they won their first kind of super bowl. They've got eight national championships, but only one super bowl. And they won that under Dick, who was a great Chicago Bears player in himself and a great coach as well. And I think since the Dick era, era, excuse me, they've just struggled to find a quarterback to kind of lead that way and to kind of, you know, have a change in coaching staff like they have. It's definitely been a tough one for them to say the least. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit challenging for fans, you know, when you, you love your football team, but you just cannot get the quarterback position right. And that's what makes the NFL such a unique sport. You know, it's, it's very rare that you can uh, be successful with, without having an elite quarterback. There, there are there are examples of it, but it's very few and far between. And you know, as the game continues to speed up and change, it's becoming more and more important. But the reason why there's a little bit of excitement in and around Chicago is off the back of a, a remarkable draft. And as a New England Patriots supporter, that was just a couple of picks uh, below Chicago. Uh, you know, it was. Uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting draft day for Chicago. Uh, Alex, talk to us a little bit about it and this new QB that you guys have picked up. Oh, uh, look, I mean, Chicago was sitting at 20 originally when we went into the draft. So, you know, there was hope and there was chatter that Justin Fields from Ohio State, which is my college team as well. So you can imagine this is a big day for me. Um 
it, it was kind of, you know, was Chicago going to get him? If not, what were they going to do? You know, and, and to be honest, I think they were happy to sit at 20. Um, I think the front office were kind of happy to sit there, but you know, something inside of somebody, whether it was Ryan Pace or Matt Nagy said, we've got to trade up. And so they traded with New York to get <laughs> a higher pick for Justin Fields. So, and, and that I think kind of sparked some life in the quarterback because he is just a phenomenon to watch at the quarterback, the way he runs with the ball, the way he throws the ball. Um, so yeah, being a Ohio State fan, I, I was at work when that happened. I literally stopped everything I was doing. I pulled it up on my screen. Don't tell my boss. And I just watched the draft come in and they, I watched him pick him. And I was just ecstatic as a Bears fan and a Buckeyes fan. Yeah. And sometimes you, you just wonder whether you're watching the same sport as others. You know, when you see such a talented uh, player like Justin fall down the draft board, um, it was one of the craziest things I've seen in years. You know, this is a kid that... Um, you know, has been earmarked for the NFL in his teens, you know, high school, uh, you know, Justin Fields was going to be the next big thing. So, you know, NFL executives, they've seen Justin come a long way. And, you know, what makes him unique, Alex, is his ability to, I I guess he's that new age quarterback. You know, he's got the ability to escape the pocket. Um, He's electric. Uh, he's, He's a lot faster than what people think. But, but, you know, what makes him a little bit different is he does have that arm. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, those dual-threat quarterbacks, you know, predominantly run. Um, Justin, he can sit in the pocket and he can make those, those, those throws. Yeah, he can. And, and he's, you know, sometimes when you watch quarterbacks and you're watching the pocket kind of collapse, especially young quarterbacks, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to watch. You know, I need to mention that he came from Georgia. He was a bulldog before he transferred to Ohio State, and he, he ran a play in, like, Georgia's game against Alabama where he fumbled it, and it set Alabama up, and he got a lot of flack for that. So for him to bounce back, to come to Ohio State, to start the way he did and, and to have – and put up the stats that he did. I mean, he had – you know, by the time he left, he had over 5,000 yards passing. He averaged nine – 9.3 yards a pass and he had 396 attempts out of 579 and 63 touchdowns like in two years at Ohio State and and keep in mind that last year was eight only eight eight games so imagine if he had a full season last year I can only imagine what he would have been able to pull off um but yeah he's just a phenomenon to watch when he's running the ball when he's you know he'll go and get you a first down if he needs to and he's not afraid to do that yeah, and it's interesting, you know, when we look at the the rookie class of QBs that are entering the NFL, you know, there, there's a lot of debate at the moment, and this happens every year, I, I guess, whether, you know, you, you, you start the rookie, you go with the veteran, you know, if we look at Chicago, uh, if we look at the Chicago roster, uh, their veteran is Andy Dalton, he's been brought in um, after being the backup for the Dallas Cowboys, um, you know, talk to us a little bit about your opinion on who should start week one for Chicago because, you know, things are getting a little bit ugly at the moment. You know, during the preseason, you know, fans are booing Andy. You know, fans are booing Andy. It's becoming a little bit awkward. What's your opinion? Who should start for the Bears come week one? Look, I mean, I was just as surprised as anybody when Chicago announced they were signing Andy Dalton. You know, I think there was a collective kind of, what, really? Why? Um, which is kind of what it's been like for the past couple of years, that same kind of, why are we shooting ourselves in the foot here? You know, why aren't we going out and helping ourselves? Why are we making it worse? Um, but look, I think my thing with Andy Dalton is he's been around for a long time. He's a veteran player. 
Uh, and I think at this point, there's no excuse why you shouldn't be converting on third downs. There's no excuse why you shouldn't be um, getting first downs as far as he's concerned. He's got a great arm. I mean, we saw that in week two with his um, phenomenal touchdown pass. But I will say this, even though I am a quarterback myself, he didn't make that touchdown. It was the wide receiver that made that. I mean, he threw it short. The guy had to kind of turn around and pull it off the, you know, the Bills helmet to be able to get that touchdown off. So I think for me, what makes me nervous with Andy Dalton is if he starts and he kind of runs the game into the ground a little bit, then Justin Fields has to come in and play savior. And I don't think that's of any benefit to Justin. So as if I was Matt Nagy, you know, I'd be starting Justin Fields. I think he's earned it. I think he's shown that based on his his pass rate completion and, and his ability to move the ball. I mean, we watched Andy Dalton try and scramble out of the pocket last weekend, and it just didn't look nice. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, and I'm in two minds, you know, because, yeah, you know, one side of it is that, you know, I feel like, I feel like Andy's taking away reps from Justin, and, and I think that's a big negative. You know, when, when you've got a young guy coming in, the only way for them to really adjust to the NFL is to play. You know, it, it's uh, it really is going to help Justin, and, and there's going to be some some there's going to be some bumps along the way. You know, Justin, I don't think is going to come in and, and dominate and, and take this team to a Super Bowl in his first year. I think I think um, expectations are, are realistic, but yeah, for me, I do get a little bit worried that you know these veterans are taking reps away from some of these younger younger quarterbacks. But the other side of it is, and, and I guess this is why I'm fifty fifty on it is Alex that O line. You know, things are not looking good there. Uh, Justin took a huge hit in preseason, arguably one of the biggest hits I've seen on a young quarterback in a lot of time. So, you know, possibly, you know, looking at your schedule, you know, you're coming up against some ferocious pass rush. So, you know, maybe Andy can sort of take, you know, a little bit of heat early on in the season and ease Justin into it. But, you know, what's your thoughts on this offensive line? Because, you know, it is a worry, you know, when you've got a star quarterback coming in. Um, you know, we, we've seen uh, things get a little bit scary. The, the, Joe, the Joe Burrow situation in Cincinnati last year. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about your O-line. Oh, look, I think you saw that week too. Just how they are struggling to handle any kind of quick pass rushers, you know, and that, that blitz that came and got Justin in the side. I mean, you, they said in the commentary, you know, the city of Chicago just had like a, a, like they just held their breath because you see a hit like that. And then on a young guy as well, you go, please get up, please, please, please just get up. Right. Cause he kind of has this hope of Chicago on his shoulders right now. If he goes down in week two of preseason, like that's not a good look, right? Because then we're stuck with Andy Dolan for a whole season. <laughs> so, you know, we don't really want that to happen. And I think also when you watched him, if you watch college football, you watched him play Clemson in the final where he took that really hard hit in the hip or the back area and he went down and he's a hard man to take down, right? He'll normally bounce back out. Um, and he went out for a play, came back in, then threw a touchdown. So, I mean, the guy's strong, but also – you know, these guys in the NFL, they're probably twice the size of maybe college players. So, I mean, and when you watch that in real time, it was horrendous to watch. It Like, I felt sore for him. It's uh, you, you do not want your quarterback getting hit. So, you know, hopefully there's a lot of hard coaching that's going on behind the scenes because, um, yeah, his long-term health, it, it, it's going to be something to, to keep an eye on. All right, Alex, well, let's have a look at some other key players. Um, yeah, definitely definitely the Justin Fields situation is, is the talk of the town there in Chicago. But, yeah, talk to us about, you know, some other standouts on, on both sides of the ball. Let's start on the offensive side. Are there any other players that sort of stand out for you? 
Oh, look, for me, I'm a big fan of Allen Robinson. I think as far as a wide receiver goes, he's been a great trade for Chicago. Um, You know, he's just consistent, consistently makes catches, consistently makes those big plays. And, you know, when you're struggling at the quarterback area, if you can have someone like Allen Robinson kind of step in and make those catches and need be, that's, you know, that's great. Um, you know, they put a franchise tag on him. You know, I think there's someone that they kind of want it. I would, I would want to keep him if I was Chicago. Alex, they're playing with fire there. I, I agree. You know, Allen Robinson, you know, it's not like they've got a stacked room of wide receivers like a lot of uh, teams do in the NFL. It really appears that they're, they're Robinson or, or nothing and they're playing games with him when it comes to his contract. So, yeah, to your point, it's going to be really interesting to see how they manage that situation because there is a significant gap between him and, and, and the next guy. Um, and I guess for me, that really does expose maybe some of the weaknesses there with the receivers because, you know, touch wood, there's no injuries there. But, you know, if if, if, there, if there's one injury to, to Allen, if he goes down, uh, that, that, that'll make things particularly challenging for Justin. Uh, yeah, 100%. And, and to have a player that went 102 had 102 catches went over 1200 yards and averaged 12.3 and had you know quite a few quite a few touchdowns to his name last season you know to be playing with fire with a player like that sign the man sign the man give I mean look hopefully what they can do is sign him in the off season. You know, they put the franchise tag on, he accepted, they couldn't come to a long-term agreement. So hopefully in the, in the free agency, you know, they can spend a bit of money, but that does leave Chicago in a little bit of a different difficult area as far as their other players are concerned. And then what about the running game? So, you know, this is something that, you know, a lot of teams are still trying to manage. Um, you know, you, you look at some of the best teams in the competition and, and it's it's sort of running back by committee. You know, very rarely do you see just, just one player. Um, and I think a lot of that's got, got um, comes down to, you know, running running them into the ground. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's a lot to put on the, on the back of one player. Um, similar to Alan Robinson from a wide receiver perspective, we look at the running back uh, group that you've got there. It does appear that David Montgomery really is the, is going to be the lead back there. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And he is so fun to watch as well from running back. I think it was against the Texans last year where he went for an 80 yard touchdown and he just found this gap and he took off. Like when he gets kind of running, there's nothing really stopping him. You know, Tariq Cohen, who's kind of the backup running back right now, um, he's out with an injury. He's someone who could be a very good running back if he stays healthy. And I think the struggle with Chicago last year was that he wasn't. He had a couple of injuries. Um, so that's been tough. But, yeah, David Montgomery, 247 carries, over 1,000 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, averaging 4.3 on a rush. Like, he's small, but he is like he can find his way through holes that you kind of look at the kind of the pack and you kind of go, will he get through there? And all of a sudden he just emerges out of nowhere and just starts taking off. And then if we look at the other group that's quite interesting there with Chicago is the tight end. So, you know, part of the weaknesses with this team is in and around the receiving core, which means they've had to, you know, lean on their tight ends a little bit more than, than, than some other teams. You've got Jimmy Graham, who is certainly at the back end of his career and young Cole Komet. What What's your thoughts on the tight end group? And, you know, similar to last season, will, will you see a, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of reps, a lot of throws uh, headed towards the tight end group, given some of the challenges there with the receivers? 
Yeah, I think so. I think you got to kind of throw in Darnell Mooney as well as a receiver. He's not half bad. I think he just needs a couple more reps under him, but I really like him as a receiver for Chicago. But as you said, that tight end group, Jimmy Graham, Colt Met, I got to mention Jesse James. He's had a phenomenal kind of two weeks as far as preseason goes. So to have kind of three players that have been consistent in that role, you know, I would keep them. You know, I'd kind of bolster that tight end role because heaven forbid anything happens down Robinson, Darnell Mooney, you're going to need people that can catch the ball. And Jimmy Graham is one of those players where he's consistent. Cole Komet coming out of last his rookie season last year, I think he was a great grab for Chicago. You know, he's just as consistent as Jimmy Graham. And then Jesse James just kind of has, I think he's going to have a good season this season as well. Since preseason, he's done really well. Now, if we look at this team, you know, obviously we've called out some of the gaps. So the offensive line, there's some issues there. Um, you know, receivers, you could, you could, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of depth there at running back could also be helpful. You know, part of the reason is because uh, part of the reason that I guess Chicago are having some of these challenges with their depth is because of their drafting, and it's because they've they've gone out and given up their picks for a few different players um, over the past three seasons. One particular player that we want to call out is Khalil Mack. So, bit of an interesting situation. So, obviously, you know, obviously we want to um, you know dig into his performance, but um, did, did, have I heard this correctly that the, you know the Raiders have got come out and traded Mack to the Bears uh, in a, in a historic trade you know to trade one of your best players you know this guy is a generational talent and then the regret has come in over the preseason and from reports uh, it appears that the bears have have, have fielded calls from the raiders uh, wanting him back yeah I, I saw that recently too and i was like oh and and clout yeah i saw that too and i was just shocked i was like you know you don't it comes down to you don't know what you have until it's gone Right. And I think when I saw Khalil Mack sign with the Bears, I was ecstatic. You know, I thought that was a great signing for them since he's kind of come on board. Defense has been okay for Chicago, but I think they've struggled, you know, when they had the likes of kind of Cutler and Trubisky and those kind of quarterbacks in there. Their defense wasn't great. But I think when they signed Khalil Mack, he just kind of stepped up their defense. And I think he kind of pulled the other guys with him and went, like and he led by example you know and that shows in his in his stats you know he's got 29 solo tackles nine sacks three forced fumbles you know and he's a six-time pro bowler yeah i mean the guy is an absolute phenomenon and when you see him break that line and he's coming for the quarterback i i i get happy watching him play because i know he's 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 gonna get that quarterback no matter what yeah, and it's definitely going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how Chicago's defense comes into the season because, you know, it, it's got to be a little bit frustrating when, you know, you know that the other side of the ball is is not, you know, they're just not keeping up. You know, the offensive side of the ball for Chicago has, has let down, uh, you know, the, the team for quite a few seasons. And, I mean, that's that's got to, that's got to uh, be quite challenging for the defense. But, you know, now we, with Justin coming on board and a little bit of excitement there, hopefully that gives um, the defense a little bit of a boost as well. And with a guy like Khalil Mack there, you know, yes, he was expensive with some of the draft picks, but certainly been worthwhile uh, there. Any other players on the defensive side of the ball or any other players that you wanted to call out there in Chicago? Um, I'm a big fan of Akeem Hicks. I think he's great. I think he's kind of that next player um, under Cleo Mack. You know, I love Robert Quinn. I love Raekwon Smith as well. You know, he's got four sacks on him, two interceptions. One thing I was kind of upset to see this year, just due to kind of cap 
uh, salary cap issues, um, they dropped Kyle Fuller uh, at cornerback. And I just thought that to have Khalil Mack on that defensive line like they do, to have a cornerback like Kyle Fuller, who, again, is another pro bowler, um, I thought that was a bit of a loss, a loss for Chicago. But as far as kind of the rest of defense go, I, I like their defense. Honestly, I'm a little concerned about the injuries right now because there's a couple injuries to the guys. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they go week one. Mac was a little bit quiet week two in preseason. You know, I kind of was like, oh, you're actually playing. Okay. But that could just be the fact that he's the one to get injured for week one, and I don't blame him. Yeah, that's it. He's probably a little bit bored out there, you know, out there playing in the preseason. But no, that's right. And and, and again, uh, I guess the, the point in around Kyle Full is an interesting one because there is a, a, a little bit of lack of trust in and around the, the front office there in Chicago. I mean, going out, you know, trading up and getting Justin Fields, that, that, will, uh, that will certainly make people quite happy. But yeah, there's just been some concerns in and around the franchise and their ability to to manage their salary cap because you know to be in a position where you have to let a, a player like Kyle go that that's quite disappointing. Um, speaking of the coaching staff, what's your thoughts on Matt Nagy? You know there, you know you, you, you look at some of the coaches in and around the league and some of the pressure that, that that's around. Matt would definitely be under a significant amount of pressure. What's your thoughts? Is is it playoffs or bust for him in terms of trying to keep his, his job there in Chicago? Um. I don't know if it's playoffs or bust. I think you, when you kind of look at Matt Nagy, he came in into 2018 and he went from a season where they were five and 11, I think. Um, and before that they were three and 15 or three and 11, sorry. Um, and then to be able to turn it around in 2018, to have two kind of consecutive bad seasons to come in 2018 and go 12 and four, I mean, that takes an amount of skill to turn a team around that quickly as far as kind of, you know, a win-loss situation. Now, has he had success in the postseason? No, um, which has been frustrating. I watched that wild card game against the Eagles where we missed it by a field goal. I have never screamed at a TV louder in my life. I was in Chicago for that game. It was just... It was gut-wrenching because we were there. And I think that's one thing that we've struggled with as well as a, as, a, as a football club is our kicking situation hasn't been great. Santos, I think, has been a great find for them. He was 30 from 32 last season. So you got to give credit where credit's due because when games come down to kickers, he's been consistent last year. Um, but, yeah, look, Matt Nagy's gone 8-8 eight and eight the last two seasons. He's been able to squeak into the, the postseason. So, I'd like to see him do better this year. I think he maybe has the offense to be able to do that this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, and I, and I think part of it is just that it's going to be an attractive job. You know, I, I think there's going to be, you know, there's always going to be that next big head coach that's out there that, that's waiting for an opportunity. And when, when you've got a chance to coach a guy like Justin Fields for the next 10, 15 years, you know, you're going to be able to bring in the best talent. So, you know, part of this is going to be, you know, Matt's going to have to come out and show that he's special uh, and that he can really take this team to the top because if he's just going to be average and, and, and run sort of at, at a 500 record, I don't think that's going to satisfy people in Chicago because, you know, realistically now adjusting in the system, you can bring in the best um, and, and really uh, push this team forward. Speaking of records, it's time for our predictions time. They find themselves... Alex, obviously, in a, in a tricky uh, division. Uh, again, it's a little bit hard to get a read on, on some of their, 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 their opposition uh, within the division. Let's start there. What, what's, your, what's your prediction uh, for this team in the NFC North? Uh, look, I was excited when I heard, you know, 
Aaron Rodgers was probably going to be at Green Bay because I thought that opened the door for Chicago to kind of come in and be first in NFC North. Um, I think if he stays at Green Bay, I don't see that that happening. I see them taking second place again this year. Um, I'd love to see him be better than last year. Last year they went eight and eight. I'd love to see him go nine and seven. And if I'm being really generous, ten and six. Yeah, look, I, I think uh, you know, I think Detroit's going to be a mess. You know, Jared Goff, he's uh, he's he's a new guy in town. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what he can do there. But um, I, I don't think there's there's many people out there uh, besides Detroit fans that have got any faith in the line. So I think they're gonna I think they're gonna come uh, last there in the division. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think Green Bay is going to take the division, which just leaves you and Minnesota battling it out for that second place. And you know, whilst Kirk Cousins, you know, he's not the greatest quarterback and Minnesota, you know, have some challenges with their roster. They are they are a little bit more consistent than what Chicago have been. Um, so that's going to be an interesting clash. Uh, for me, in terms of trying to come up with a record for you guys, it's really difficult. Look, I've got it at 9-8 and eight at the moment. However, that's because I'm expecting Andy to play quite a lot of football. Um, I'd actually move the record in in, in the other direction um, if Justin plays more football because I think he's got the potential to to probably win maybe one or two games, just him himself. But um, if you play Andy for most of the season, then, you know, that's going to make things particularly challenging. But, yeah, going to be very, very interesting to see the Bears and Vikings fight it out. And who knows, uh, you know, potentially, potentially they can chase down the Packers. All right, well, let's jump into our next segment now, uh, the match. And uh, on the match each week, we uh, place two players up against each other, 1v1 to see who comes out on top. And this week, we're going to the defensive side of the ball, uh, two tremendous talents and, and two players that continue to jump out on our screens each and every week. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get ready to... Yes, and this week on the match, we're going to the defensive side of the ball and we're looking at TJ Watt uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up against LA Chargers, Joey Bosa. Alex, let's start off with TJ Watt. You know, it, it's it's been a really interesting journey for him. You know, we all know about his older brother, JJ. You know, he's, he's come in and, and created... Uh, I, I guess, quite a legacy for himself and the family. It must be very, very difficult to, to come through as the younger brother. But, yeah, talk to us a little bit about TJ's journey because it has been an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, talk about a football family, right? You've got J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, Derek Watt. You know, J.J. kind of led led the led the charge there, and, and T.J.'s kind of that next man coming up. They both went to Wisconsin, um, both, you know, ha- had great seasons at Wisconsin. Uh, T.J. was at Wisconsin for two years. Going into the draft as a sophomore, um, had 63 tackles, 38 of them solo, 11.5 sacks, one interception, one forced fumble, and one uh, two forced fumbles, sorry, and one fumble recovery. Um, so he just coming out of college, he had good numbers. Um, led the Big Ten in sacks, 11.5, I think in 2016 it was. Um, and was ninth in, in forced fumbles. So to come out of kind of college like that, I think is impressive. What I thought was interesting as far as he went, you know, he was picked 30th, you know, overall. Um, but yeah, being drafted into the Steelers in the first year, a little bit quiet. Um, but he's just one of those players where he just keeps on dominating. You know, it's just his sacks and his tackles just go up year in and year out. And he's just been consistently getting better. Yeah, and, and it, it, 
It's interesting that one, isn't it? Because you know, uh, you know, very rarely do we see players, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, come in and dominate straight away in that first year. That's quite rare. But you know, again, it makes it hard for these franchises to try and work out: is this the guy? Because typically, you know, a lot of these guys come in, they, they sort of struggle to learn this the scheme. But you know, clearly, um, you know, it's clearly the Steelers have seen something in TJ, and just goes to show that you know it really comes down to hard work. You know, you see how much work he's putting into his. Career. And to your point, he's just got better and better and better um, to, to, to a position now where he's one of the best defensive players in the game. Yeah, no, definitely. And he's not a big guy either, right? Like he's the smallest probably out of the Watt brothers. Um, but, you know, he is one of the best passers in the league. He led the league in sacks with 15 last year, um, had 43 quarterback hits. So, you know, he's getting through that line and he's getting to that quarterback and he's making a hit when he needs to. Um, and, and I think what's interesting right now is that he's on a contract renewal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he's in line to make some big money and he's worth a hundred over $127 million. You know, and so if they give him that kind of contract for the next five years, holy cow. But you look at his numbers – and he's worth it. He's worth the money he's being paid. Um, right now, I'd be a little concerned that he's not practicing because he's in contract negotiations. I think that's going to be interesting come week one. Um, but yeah, no, he's just his ability to read plays, his ability to read the ball. You know, he he starts so close to the line that he just has that extra second to get up to that quarterback. So yeah, he's just kind of a phenomenal watch. Yeah, it's interesting. He's in a hold in situation where. You know, he kind of still attends practice, so he doesn't get fined. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a new concept. You know, for a lot of years, these players just wouldn't turn up, uh, and until they until they got their new contract. But yeah, a bit of a new concept there, where you do turn up to training, but you're not doing too much. As a bit of a point to say, hey, uh, I want that big contract. Uh, the other point too is talk to us a little bit about you know the importance of landing in the right system, because you know th- that does appear to you know there, there are some players, some elite players that will just succeed where, where, regardless of where they go uh, but a lot of the times it does come down to to where you land Pittsburgh they're known as being a defensive team that uh, they have uh, you know they have brought through um, a stack of players a stack of Hall of Famers really so I guess TJ you know he, he's definitely found you know one of the one of the best franchises to to go to um, yeah talk to us a little bit about TJ as a stealer yeah, I think he definitely found his footing as a Pittsburgh Steeler. And I think what's been great is that they've been able to kind of nurture him and grow him as a defensive player. And when you have a team like Pittsburgh who are so defensively sound, you know, I think what did they go on a 10 game win streak last year where they just kind of kept player kept teams just kind of like shut out. And I think that is a testament to your defense, right? If you can go on a win streak like that your defense is doing something right. And TJ, I think, was was part of a lot of that. Um, what I think is hard when you kind of come into a league where you've got J.J. Watt, you know, you've got your brother, you know, people are going to compare you. They're going to go, well, J.J.'s this, you know, can TJ step up? And I think what's been great about him is that he's such – he has some of the best play reading, I think, in the league. Um, so I think for him to be able to be in a – situation like Pittsburgh who really take a lot of pride in their defense you take pride in their defensive players he's been able to kind of excel and come to his own that's why I mean he was ranked number six in the top 100 players going in for 2021 yeah he's you know de- he's definitely coming out of the shadow of his brother and 
Um, you know, I don't know. If it, maybe, maybe he should have, uh, you know, changed his last name because, uh, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely come out of his brother's shadow. And I'd probably say now he's probably, you know, I guess where JJ's at, you know, he's, he's you know, moved to a new team, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. But TJ is, uh, yeah, he's definitely doing everyone proud there. All right, all right well, let's have a look at his competitor, um, another supremely talented player in Joey Bosa down there in L.A. Talk to us a little bit about Joey, uh, a little bit of a personal favourite of yours given his uh, college background oh yeah look I'm always going to support my my Buckeye boys in the NFL you know and Joey Bosa is one of them I think coming out of 2016 that draft for Ohio State was just incredible I think we had five go in the first round um Joey was number three uh Ezekiel Elliott number four so that's two Ohio State players straight off the board top five so that was a great draft class for Ohio State However, Joey Bosa, I mean, he led the Big Ten in college in like four different areas, you know, as far as sacks, as far as fumble, forced fumbles, you know, and he was just one of those dominant players. And in 2014, they went 14 and one. Um, So that was a great season for them when the national championship kind of came around for college. Ohio State won that one, and he was a big name in that game. He came up and made some great tackles. Um, so to see him kind of go, I think what's been disappointing with him is that there was so much potential for him, and he kind of came in, and he had a great first two seasons, and I think he's been plagued with some niggling injuries that have forced him to kind of not do as well. But when you look at his stats over the last couple of years since 2016, you kind of look at the seasons where he had injuries and you look at his season after and he's able to bounce back. You know, he had a season in 2016 where I think he maybe had seven or so sacks. He came back that next season and had 11.5. So the guy can bounce back. I think for him, it's just being consistent and staying healthy, you know, and now he's moving. He was a defensive end. Now he's moving in a linebacker with this new kind of, um, defensive scheme at the chargers, you know, but, but he got the big kind of payout that TJ Watts looking for last year where he got, what was it? I think it was like 130 something million for five years. So he's getting paid the big bucks and they obviously see his worth um, in LA. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. You know, Brandon Staley's uh, defense with the Rams uh, last year, you know, it, it was, it was historic and, you know, he's coming into the, the Chargers. Uh, you know, system as the head coach now. So I think that's going to benefit Joey. But, you know, it, it, it's interesting, you know, all these players, they want to be drafted high. But, you know, part of the challenge with that is you always land in these rebuilding franchises. And I think it's been a little bit challenging for Joey, who, to your point, has battled injuries, but also he's been in a rebuilding situation with the Chargers. So, you know, he hasn't necessarily been able to play in those real high-profile playoff games, Super Bowls, um, which I'm sure he'll be really keen to do. And, you know, obviously the wheels are starting to turn there in LA and, and maybe that's in their future. But, you know, you, you just think to yourself, you know, what could – what damage could Joey do, um, you know, if he was, if he was, you know, playing for a team that, you know, was uh, was sort of there, um, you know, in, in some of the, those big uh, playoff games. But, yeah, definitely a remarkable talent. All right, my friend. Well, you know, I, I guess part of the matchup and part of the challenge is we've, uh, you know, we've got to pick a player here. So TJ and Joey, uh, two players that, you know, certainly have dominated the, the league uh, in defense. Uh, yeah, who would you pick? Um, you know, I, I've, I've got a little bit of a, Got a little bit of a feeling, but uh, yeah, tell us who you're going here. 
Um, look, as I said previously, I got to back my high state boys. Um, I love the Bosa brothers, Nick Bosa, who plays for the 49ers. Hopefully he has a great 2021 season. Um, but yeah, Joey Bosa, got to go with him. Yeah, look, for me, uh, I would pick TJ Watt with one more year of production. Uh, I've got to go with Joey because, um, you know, it, it, injuries, you know, you, you can't get around that. So, so I can't sort of I can't sort of knock him for that. But Joey is just consistently productive. You know, he, he doesn't have down periods in his game. He's consistently elite. So, you know, obviously he's going to want to be on the field for, for all of the games this year. Um, but for TJ, yeah, he's slowly building. He had a remarkable season uh, last year. If he does that again, definitely worth a conversation uh, in terms of maybe him him taking that uh, that next step above and beyond Joey. But yeah, for me at the moment, got to go with uh, Joey Bosa. All right, and to finish off the show, uh, we've got our rapid fire segment. And hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're hearing. Yeah, and to finish out the show, we've got our rapid fire segment. And this week, Alex, the question is: If you could, obviously, with the Hard Knock series, uh, you know, going at the moment with the Dallas Cowboys, if you could pick any team to feature on next season's Hard Knock series, who would it be? Um, for me, I think because I think there's some eligible, like you got to be eligible to be able to like be filmed by Hard Knocks, and you know. Dallas Cowboys was their second time on the show. However, um, I would like to see kind of the, uh, the Panthers kind of come in. I think they'd be very interesting to kind of see um, just because based on their past with Cam Newton and they kind of went on a high run and then Cam left and now they've kind of dropped a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting for Hard Knocks to do a piece on them. Yeah, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the eligibility rules, and you're exactly right. Uh, you're not eligible if you've made the playoffs, which would rule out my team. But, yeah, um, if, if I was able to break some rules, um, I'd have to go with uh, I'd have to go with Tampa Bay only because they have quietly assembled the best roster uh, in the NFL, um, and it's just so rare. You know, quite often when you look at a team, uh, there's weaknesses, you know, whether it's offensively, defensively, um, even on special teams, you know, you, there's always uh, key groups that, that are sort of struggling. That's the way in which, you know, the, the, the NFL works given the, the salary cap environment that we're in. But Tampa Bay, they have just built a super team. So what would be really interesting to see is some of the behind-the-scenes conversations. And, you know, obviously we've only got a few more years left of the GOAT in uh, Tom Brady. So it would be interesting to see uh, just some of the pop power dynamics behind the scenes because, you know, I, I think his influence there, it's, it's pretty incredible. To be able to get a guy like Antonio Brown back on the straight and narrow, um, you know, you talk about second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chances. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible what Tampa Bay are doing there. So for me, yeah, I'd have to go with, with the Bucks. But, yeah, love your pick there with Carolina. Going to be really interesting to see, I guess, this new chapter uh, with Sam Darnold. Uh, I, actually, I actually rate him. I think he's a... A good young quarterback. He he had a horrific experience there, like most quarterbacks uh, for the Jets. So uh, let's see if he can uh, bounce back there for Carolina. 
All right, well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. I uh, just want to thank you, Alex, uh, tonight. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. I hope our listeners really enjoyed uh, tonight's show. Uh, next week, the panel will all be back uh, to talk all things NFL. But if you did enjoy the show, uh, please download, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family about the podcast and the Sports Network, and check us out on social media. We're available on all platforms. Please like, comment, send us some feedback. We really appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, until next week, we'll see you then. To break down the garden gate There's not much time left today You have been listening to Mojo Sports Thank you for your support It is very much appreciated The team and I are trying to build something a little different here So everyone's support is very much appreciated Continue to support the podcast Download, subscribe Check out our social media channels Give us a follow And be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.